everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Rest of the West. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Stanley. You can find me on Twitter at BoltFanInDenver, and I am joined once again by Michael Peterson. Michael. What's going on, guys? You can find me again on Twitter at ZoneTracks. All right, so this week uh, we had another divisional game, so uh, we had two. <laughs> we only had to watch two games again this week, which was kind of nice. Uh, the mm-hmm. Broncos played the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders were at, at Denver. And then the Chiefs uh, took on the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so we're going to go ahead and we're just going to jump right into it here and get started with the Chiefs. Michael, why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and lead us off and start with your thoughts? Yeah, guys. So if you got a chance to catch any part of the game, you probably saw Patrick Mahomes put on another show. Um, and it was his third uh, career start, his first dating back to the end of last year. But um, he's on quite the tear right now, a historic tear um, where his touchdowns are up to 10 which broke Peyton Manning's record from his 2015 season and Drew Brees record from 2009 season both I believe were those teams Super Bowl seasons so I don't know if that's foreshadowing uh, by any means but Manning had nine Brees had nine and Pat Mahomes announced it's atop that list for most touchdowns through his first two games of a season with 10 crazier thing he's only thrown zero interceptions absolutely insane He's efficient with it as well Um, in this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was 23 of 28 for 326 and six touchdowns. Now, that's just absolutely insane. Anytime a quarterback who throws more touchdowns than he does incompletions for that game is pretty gnarly. And man, it just kind of sucks because obviously, Stanley, you know that uh, dating back to last year's draft show and um, leading up to that draft, a lot of us at the staff, Chargers fans alike thought Pat Mahomes was going to be, could have been a perfect fit for the Chargers, seeing him throw the ball around in the vertical style offense that the Chargers use. It just sucks. And the more he does these amazing historic things, the more he balls out on a week to week basis. We just have to realize as a fan base that this is probably where we're going to have to get used to uh, for the next 10 years, which just sucks. I don't know other word to say it or to describe it, but it sucks. Tell me how you feel. Yeah, he is just unreal. I mean, watching this game this week, he looked super calm back there. Super, like he did not look like a guy starting his third NFL game. He was calm, collected. He was keeping his eyes downfield. He showed good movement in the pocket. Um, he he was really good rolling out when he needed to, and he really put that arm that that laser rocket arm that he has. He really put that on display. Uh, some of these passes that he had, just they just look like, you know, closing pitcher fastballs to his receivers. The the first touchdown that he threw to Travis Kelsey was that was just on a laser, and it was it the way it got delivered, the way it hit Travis Kelsey's hands, it was kind of behind him a little bit, and so Travis Kelsey had to turn all the way around um, as he grabbed it. But the way he was turning around and, and the timing and the way the ball hit his hands, it almost looked like him grabbing the ball spun him around enough to get into the end zone. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, he just looked, he was unreal. I mean, he he is, re- I mean, he's going to have to come back down to earth eventually, but he just mm-hmm. looks like he's in the perfect fit off- offense for him right now. He's got plenty of weapons around him. Their offensive line is doing just enough to keep him upright uh, and give him time when he doesn't hold on to the ball too long. I think he took two sacks in this game. Um, it may have just been one, but he uh, it, those that was on him mostly. He was just holding the ball on a little too long. He just looked really good. I mean, he, he's playing beyond his years. 
It's absolutely incredible. And it's been a little, uh, let's call it a tale of two games, uh, the first two weeks for the Chiefs, where against the Chargers last week, we saw Pat Mahomes just hook up with Tyreek Hill over and over and over again. It really was the Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill show. Uh, we saw Watkins and Kelsey and even Hunt, for lack of a better term, they were all kind of bottled up. But this game, we saw Kelsey, Watkins, and Hill all go for, what was it? Kelsey went seven catches for 109 and two touchdowns. Watkins was six for an even 100, and Tyreek Hill had five for 90, but still had a touchdown. And even Kareem Hunt, you know, 18 for 75 carries isn't the greatest thing in the world. It, it's better than uh, when he faced the Chargers, but he also had a, uh, a touchdown through the air. So. It went from Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid didn't need their star players, which was the scariest thing in the world, to showing just what they can do when they get everybody involved. And again, that is some scary, scary stuff. Yeah, their offense just looked like it was cooking this week. And so watching them spread the ball around like that and watching all of those players get good touches. So as much as we beat up on the Chargers last week for letting Tyreek Hill just run amok, after seeing this game versus the Steelers, I, I, I don't think we gave the Chargers defense quite enough credit last week for how well they bottled up these other playmakers because Travis Kelsey is a top two tight end in this league, especially right now with Hunter Henry out. Like I, I'd say they're probably 2A and 2B when Hunter Henry's healthy, but Travis Kelsey is an outstanding tight end and the Chargers held him to one catch and I think he only got one or two other targets at all in that game. They just had him bottled up completely. Uh, Sammy Watkins was pretty much a non-factor in the Chargers game and Kareem Hunt was pretty much a non-factor. So to see all of those guys kind of ball out against the Steelers, it, you know, it, it sucked that the Chargers lost and it sucked that Tyreek Hill ran loose. But I, I got to say in retrospect now, I do give a lot more credit to the Chargers defense with how well they, they performed despite giving up all of those those giant chunk yards to Tyreek Hill last week. Yeah, I mean, anytime that the team could find silver linings like that, I think that's something that really can't be understated. Team's got to take what they can get. Um, moving on to the uh, next matchup was between the Raiders and Broncos. So same thing as last week. Uh, we didn't have to watch, you know, a ton of games. So a couple AFC West foes decided to play each other. Um, so we're gonna actually going to talk about the Raiders first. And I I don't have the uh, final score written down. Matthew, do you have it? It was 20, Broncos won. It was 20 to 19. The Broncos won after holding the lead for six seconds at the end of the game. Yeah, so another another very, very close game. I guess we are happy that the Gruden Raiders are now 0-2 uh, just because we love to really beat on that horse. And I don't think that's going to get not funny anytime soon. Let's put it that way. But in general, Derek Carr had himself a pretty decent day, uh, only threw one touchdown. But he went 29 of 32, which is crazy, crazy um, efficient. And if I remember correctly, I actually just saw it on Twitter. Uh, one of my buddies is into fantasy, wrote it up real quick, but he showed that uh, three of the four most efficient quarterbacks in the red zone this season are AFC West quarterbacks, Rivers, Mahomes, and Derek Carr being three of them with uh, Kirk Cousins being the fourth. Carr's had a pretty efficient first two weeks. He's just made a lot of bonehead mistakes. It definitely plagued them during the first game. Uh, this game, he kept it real close. Again, didn't really turn the ball over, if at all. But 288, one touchdown. Lynch had himself a decent day, 18 for 65 and a touchdown. Cooper kind of looked like a little bit of his old self. Uh, 10 catches for 116 yards, no score there. 
Um, it wasn't too much of a, a defensive performance, again, uh, from the Raiders, still missing Khalil Mack. One guy I wanted to highlight real quick was Maurice Hurst, who was a rookie defensive tackle from Michigan that I'm pretty sure we've talked about uh, before. Um, it might not have been on this podcast or on the last episode, but uh, he had a sack. So one of the most disruptive interior defensive linemen from uh, this past draft class uh, still showing out. So maybe there's, you know, some potential for some defensive players to step, uh, to step up there. Excuse me. But again, lack of a defense, uh, defensive end, rush pressure off the edge really looked like it killed the Raiders this week. They did. It, it, it was mistakes on both sides of the ball, both sides of the ball that uh, really hurt the both teams this week, actually. Um, but we're talking about the Raiders first. So, you know, overall, watching the game, the big things that stood out to me is their offensive line is really good. What I thought was interesting is uh, Derek Carr almost looked a little shaky in the first half. Like he he kind of had heavy feet a little bit, but he still was complete. Like his his receivers were catching everything for him and doing him a lot of favors. So that was that was good for them. They kind of play almost a similar style of offense to the Chargers. There was a lot of quick passes to set up passes, deeper passes later on. That basically the what I noticed was the first half started out with a lot of quick passes to the outside, swing passes and comebacks to the outside. And then what that did was the the Broncos uh, safeties started cheating to the outside. And then early in the second half, they started getting big chunk plays over the middle of the field to Amari Cooper and Jared Cook. Uh, so that'll be something to watch out for when they play the Chargers is to see do they do that kind of thing, the same kind of thing where they, you know, start setting up those things later. Marshawn Lynch is, is still good. He's still beast mode, man. And like the, every time they gave him the ball, it looked like he was dragging guys for a couple of yards and it, it was really hard to bring him down. And I honestly think he has, he he's showing a little more burst than he has the past couple of seasons that I've watched him play. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was really able to like get going really quickly when they gave him handoffs. So uh, that'll be something to watch out for too with the Chargers somewhat shaky rush defense. And uh, speaking of those plays uh, over the middle, Jared Cook looks really good. Like I'm not surprised after watching this week. I'm not surprised that he went for 180 yards in the, in week one. He looks basically just like a slightly big wide receiver. Um, so I'm excited to see how that matchup looks against Kazir White because uh, we'll talk about it later in the Saturday show, but Kaiser White, man, he just he balled out this week in in pass protection, um, and he, so that's going to be just a fantastic matchup. And then the final thing I noted, noticed on their offense is they bootleg Jared Carr a lot, um, and they do that to set up a lot of different kind of plays. Um, there was a there was twice where he tucked it, and ran out of that bootleg. Uh, there was a lot of passes out of that bootleg, and then the it it really helps their play action. Like when they they get their whole offensive line moving one direction, and they bootleg Carr out the other way, it looked really effective because the entire front seven basically went wherever their offensive line went. And I don't know if that's more of like a fail on on Denver's part or if the Oakland offense was just that good at selling it. But uh, that'll be something that I I watch for when the Chargers play the Raiders too. Uh, but on defense for the Raiders, their <laughs> their defense isn't great. Uh, their their defensive line is active, but the Broncos' offensive line is not great, and the Raiders' defensive line didn't get as much pressure as I thought they would, and they they weren't able to shut down the run barely at all. And we'll talk about their the Broncos' running back Philip Lindsay here in a few minutes. Uh, but yeah, I think the the Broncos defense, I mean, the Raiders defense is probably is the worst in the AFC West, even behind the Chiefs, who have given up 
I think 600 yards of offense two games in a row now. Like it's, well, it was five something for the Chargers, and then it was almost six for the the Steelers. Uh, but yeah, that that Raiders defense is is not great. No, it is definitely not. And I don't know if you saw the graphic that I think was going around social media where it was posted or posting Khalil Max stats through the first two games next to the entire Oakland defense. Their stats. I did. <laughs> and yeah. So if you remember, I mean, off the top of my head, I think uh, they both have two sacks. They both have one interception. Um, they're pretty much the same until you get to the fact that Khalil Mack has a touchdown um, on the season. And I and, think that's and a forced fumble and a forced fumble. Yes. So that's absolutely incredible. So you want to talk about a team that their biggest thing that they're missing is a pass rush and really just that one defensive playmaker who you can trust to make one or two plays during a game to kind of swing the momentum in your favor when you need it the most. It's just crazy. And it's, I think Bleacher Report had a really good visual uh, with they photoshopped Gruden in a bar watching Mac on the TV make plays and just had him super depressed, drinking himself to death. Like they're having so much fun with it. I think the country's having so much fun with it. And the more Khalil Mack continues to show what he can do and what the Raiders are missing, you know, with him in Chicago, I think it's going to be a fun year. I think that's just going to be one thing that, uh, you know, no matter how negative the season could potentially get, we could always look back at that mistake by Gruden and just have a good laugh. So just incredible, man. I don't know what else to say. It's just incredible. Um, But let's move on to the other half of that game. So the Broncos Um, looking at some uh, quick stats here. Keenum was less than ideal after he had, and I wouldn't call it a great game um, against the, they played the Seahawks, correct? Sorry, I'm just blanking on this right now in week, in week one. one, correct? Yep. Yeah. So against the Seahawks, Keenum had a pretty good day throwing the ball. He had three touchdowns, but at the same time had three interceptions. This week kind of took a step back. I mean, 19 of 35, 222 yards. He had one pick, zero passing touchdowns. Did have a rushing touchdown. Um, Obviously, you know, a W is a W, and he found a way to will his team to a win. But Keenum was not the uh, star of the show. He wasn't the main reason why they won, you could say. Um, But like we mentioned earlier, they have a surprising, surprising undrafted free agent running back who has come in and completely outplayed Royce Freeman, their third-round pick, running back out of Oregon in this past draft. Why don't you tell us, since you are in Denver at the moment, tell us a little bit about Philip Lindsay. So Philip Lindsay is basically the Broncos, I'd say diet Austin Eckler. Um, They have pretty, they're pretty comparable when you look at them. So at their pro days, Austin Eckler was 5'9", 200 pounds, and Philip Lindsay was 5'7 and a half, 190 pounds. Oh, so he's just he's oh. a little bit smaller. Uh, the Broncos have him listed at 5'8". Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the Broncos Holy have him listed at 5'8", but he's he's tiny. So Austin Eckler has about an inch and 10 pounds on him. Uh, but Philip Lindsay ran a 4'3'9 in his 40, and Austin Eckler ran a 4'4'3". So very, very close there. Philip Lindsay had a 35 and a half inch vert. Austin Eckler jumped out of the gym at, at 40 inch, 40 and a half inches. Philip Lindsay had a 10 foot, four inch broad. Austin Eckler had a 10 foot, eight inch broad. Philip Lindsay ran a 7.12 uh, three cone and Austin Eckler ran a 6.85. So Eckler is a little shiftier and more explosive. Lindsay has that straight line speed. Uh, and okay, so far this diet. Yeah. Yeah. And then so far this season, Philip Lindsay's got 29 carries for 178 yards. So he's averaging 6.14 yards a carry. 
Austin Eckler only has 16 carries, but he's got 116 yards. So he's going 7.25 yards a carry. So they're very similar. And when you watch them play, they play with a very similar style. They both, they both are very patient approaching the line. They have good vision picking holes, and then they just accelerate through them very suddenly. And they both, it looks like take, um, take defenders by surprise because it, I don't see either of them going down on first contact very much. Philip Lindsay has a really good uh, approach to oncoming tacklers and is able to get his shoulder down. He keeps his balance. He runs through tackles and he just creates for himself the, kind of the same way Austin Eckler does. Uh, so he is, he's really been impressive this um, early start to the season. And, you know, it, it's honestly, it's just kind of cool to see for him. Uh, he's a local kid. I've, I mentioned before, uh, when he made the team as an undrafted free agent, he actually texted Terrell Davis, who is just, I mean, as much as Charger fans love LaDainian Tomlinson, Terrell Davis is super loved here in Denver too. Um, so he reached out to Terrell Davis to ask if he could wear his number. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's kind of a cool story for him. Um, and he just, he looks really good. And to put it in even more perspective, as as much as we get on the Chargers offensive line for not creating holes, especially on the right side, the Broncos offensive line is worse. And so he has even worse holes to work with and he still finds ways to to create for himself. So he's he's really good out of that Broncos backfield. Yeah, man. And that's crazy. I, I think we talked about it on the last pod, but we brought up or maybe it wasn't even on the pod. Honestly, I'm losing my mind right now. But uh, we talked about how Philip Lindsay is the first undrafted free agent running back to record over 100 yards from scrimmage in his first two career games. So again, we have several players in the AFC West uh, having historic starts to the season. Patrick Mahomes, the touchdowns, Philip Lindsay defying all the odds to make the team as an undrafted free agent and excelling from the very start. It's just absolutely insane. Um, what I mentioned uh, before we started recording that Lindsay and Royce Freeman are very, very similar to the situation that Chargers have uh, with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, Lindsey being undrafted free agent, a much smaller back, defied the odds, and has been exceeding expectations since he showed up. Freeman was a much more highly touted back, used a higher draft pick. Gordon was obviously a first round pick, and Royce Freeman was their third round pick. And it's the undrafted free agent man, the guy that no one expected at all, comes in and shows them up. So Freeman uh, in week two had eight for twenty eight. He did have a touchdown, but that efficiency, the same thing, man. We talk about Gordon averaging under four yards per carry for his career. He's averaging 3.8 for his career, 3.8 through the first two games of the season. Austin Eckler is at 7.3. He said 7.25 earlier. It's just crazy. They kind of got a similar situation. Um, and I think it's just amazing to to see, honestly, in, in, a, in a league where the best teams have these amazing dual threat backs. But, you know, Todd Gurley's... 6'1", 6'2", 215, 220, and can do it all. But you have the Chargers and the Broncos with these backs like 5'9", Austin Eckler, 5'7 and a half, Philip Lindsay. That's just gnarly, man. That's 5'7 and a half. That's like Spud Webb, you know, coming to the NBA and trying to be the best he can be. I mean, same situation. It's, it's just absolutely crazy. Um, but moving on from the running backs, let's just go over real quick. Keenum and his receiving uh, core Sanders had another good year, not year, excuse me, had a good week four for 96, didn't have a touchdown, but that Keenum to Sanders connection, that rapport is really growing. We've seen that through the first two weeks. 
Man, I don't know what it is with uh, Demarius Thomas, but five catches for 18 yards. That's absolutely insane um, for a former receiver who spent however many years in a row catching all the passes, 1,000 yards a season. Um, he's having a rough start uh, to begin 2018. Five for 18 is not a good look. Not a good look whatsoever. What do you make of the Broncos wide receivers? Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Yeah, so it, it really was, it, it's worse than the stat line shows for Demarius Thomas. He had three really bad drops. Uh, one of them was on, I mean, they were driving at the end of the game. They they started this drive, they started their drive uh, with a penalty. So they were first and 20 from, I think, their own 11-yard line with, less than two minutes and no timeouts left. So they had to drive like 90 yards, no timeouts. And so they're driving down the field and um, Case Keenum, he, he escapes from some pressure and Demarius Thomas is open and Case Keenum puts a really good throw on him, hits him directly in the hands. He would have had the first down and had a pass to the sideline to be able to get out of bounds and stop the clock. And the ball just hits him in the hands and he drops it. And I mean, I, th I think he probably left 50 yards on the field between the three drops. Uh, he could have had a much better game and really helped his team out. But he looked like Travis Benjamin, man. I mean, everything that hit him in the hands, he was just dropping. The uh, Emmanuel Sanders, I've loved for a couple of years. He's really good. Uh, he, he's just a reliable catcher. He's tough as nails. And he does well working either from the slot or outside. Um, as far as Case Keenum, he looked really like he looked really bad in the first half. Uh, he was kind of panicking anytime he had to make a quick throw. Anytime he had to set his feet really fast and make a quick throw, even on like designed, just like swing passes, they were all really inaccurate. Uh, he, he, he was feeling pressure that wasn't there all the time. Uh, he just, it wasn't a great first half from him. Then in the second half, he really calmed down. He started waiting a little bit longer, taking an extra uh, an extra beat before he made the pass and started connecting with his tight ends and with uh, the wide receivers. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if that continues um, because that's, that's kind of the same thing that happened in the first game when he started throwing all those interceptions. But yeah, the, the Broncos offensive line isn't helping him out very much because they're not very good. Uh, they had a couple costly penalties too. Yeah, so it, I mean, it, it was basically the Broncos beat themselves in the first half and then were able to put enough together uh, at the end of the game and in that, that clutch time to, to go win the game. And I mean, like you said earlier, a W is a W, so, you know, it, good for them for getting the win. But this is, a you know, probably the most vulnerable Broncos team we've seen in a few years, um, even compared to last year. I don't think this defense is at the same level as they were last year. And until Case Keenum can prove that he's like legitimately an upgrade, um, I, you know, I, this Broncos team has some soul searching to do. No, I fully agree. And before we wrap up the pod, let's just go over the uh, Broncos defense real quick. 
Um, just, you know, you can pick out a few guys that you thought kind of popped. Uh, some guys you might have overwhelmed. I know Von Miller had another sack. Um, he's up to four, I believe. I think he's still tops, if not um, still in the top three of sacks in the NFL. Um, but speaking of sacks, the Broncos drafted a guy at number five overall in this past, or this last year's draft, Bradley Chubb, this highly regarded edge rusher defensive end out of North Carolina State. And I don't think we've heard much at all about Bradley Chubb through the first two games. And this is me just picking fun because it seems to me that the Chargers got a better pass rusher at 17 than the Broncos got <laughs> at number five. And we'll go over this later. Uh, we'll probably talk about it a little bit. Uh, Saturday um, in a small recap will do, but the Chargers obviously got Derwin James, a safety at number 17, and he currently has two sacks on the year to lead the Chargers in sacks. Bradley Chubb, don't think he has a sack to his name right now. I think he had a half tackle for loss against the Raiders. But again, that's just me poking fun. Um, Stanley, talk about the defense real quick, and we'll get this thing wrapped up. Yeah, so Von Miller is basically just a game changer. I mean, as as good as the uh, Raiders' offensive line is, Von Miller was just causing havoc everywhere. Uh, I think he had he had like a I I want to say, damn it I should have written it down, but I think he had a strip sack that was nullified by a defensive holding. Um, he just he causes a lot of disruption in the in the opponent's backfield. Um, another re- really good player is. Uh, their safety, Justin Simmons, out of Boston College uh, two years ago, um, he he's looking really good. He was all over the field for them this week. Uh, he had nine tackles. He led the team, uh, and he just he he looks he looks really good out there. Uh, and their defensive line is fantastic. Uh, they've got and I'm going to butcher his first name, uh, Demata Pecco. Uh, Pecco is he's really good. And then when you throw him next to, you know, like when you sandwich him between. Von Miller, Derek Wolf, and Bradley Chubb. I mean, their defensive line is really, really impressive. Like we, we're pretty spoiled when when we're trotting out, you know, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, and then Philon Legit, whoever else is in the middle. We're pretty spoiled there. But I think the Broncos, you know, they might have one up on us with that defensive line because it it is something to it is you know something to behold. No, I I fully agree. Um, I think their interior is much, much better um, in terms of consistency and overall talent than the Chargers. Uh, I think Justin Jones was second on the team in in snaps for that defensive interior. Um, but we're still, as a team, the Chargers are throwing around Justin Jones, throwing around Fallon. When Lugit comes back, Lugit's been uh, uh, underwhelming you know, for the last couple of years. Unfortunately, I think last year was the year he had zero sacks. Just not a good thing. So, yeah, I agree with you overall. Derek Wolf, uh, Pecco causes problems. And what little I was able to watch the Broncos Raiders, Pecco, I saw two different plays where, um, you know, he did something phenomenal and he was flexing at the sideline. And and he's an animal. He's also, just for uh, fun fact, he's a monster in Madden. I don't know what it is. There are these players that aren't even graded highly. For some reason, Pecco's just that one guy that whenever you play the Raiders, he's now Raider, excuse me, the Broncos, he's just making plays and clogging up that middle. Uh, Von Miller, Derek Wolf, Shaq Barrett. I think who they have to shift around and rotate in in that front, uh, it's, it's awesome. The depth is very underrated with the Broncos. Yep, I think that nails it. So um, that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, like the... 
The Broncos are now at two and zero at the top of the division. Or no, the Chiefs are two and zero at the top of the division. Broncos are right behind them. Uh, Raiders, I think they dipped below us now. Uh, yeah, because they're zero two. So, yeah. yeah, they're zero two. Uh, and then the Chargers are in third at one and one. Um, so the the Raiders and Chargers both now have division losses, and the Chiefs and Broncos both have division wins now. Uh, so that you know that's already putting them ahead of us for, for tiebreakers at the end of the season. So the Chargers are going to have to make that up when, and make these division games count when they come along. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think we've got another good week coming up and hopefully we start seeing some Broncos and chiefs losses. Yeah. I'm looking at the, the games right now, seeing what they got for uh, week three, the chiefs, it's their first home game of the season and they get the 49ers and you know, the 49ers, I won't, wouldn't say they're as hot right now as they were to end the 2017 season, but that's still a really good team. Um, that's going to be a very interesting game to watch as well. Andy Reid coached against Kyle Shanahan, two of the best schemers, play callers in the NFL, I believe, right now. Um, definitely, definitely going to be watching that game. Try to watch what I can. The Raiders are at Miami. Now, I think yeah, this that's is going to be a loss. You think so? Oh, yeah. The Dolphins are 2-0. and and their look, their their offense is actually really surprising right now. I think Tannehill. Let's see. Yeah, Tannehill's got Tannehill's got four. He's got four touchdowns on the season already. Kenny Stills is looking good. Yeah, they're. I I, I don't. <laughs> I think that the Dolphins are a good team right now. That I don't see the Raiders beating them. Okay. Um. So especially, especially traveling to the East Coast and having that early start, like that's oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not going to be great for the for the Raiders. No, you're right. I can definitely see that. So an 0 three star for the Raiders would be. Oh, so marvelous. And then obviously the Chargers take on. Oh, wait, no, we skipped this. The Broncos are at the Ravens. And I think this is a game where the Broncos are likely going to get their first loss of the season. Ravens at home are a really, really good team, especially with the defense that they have. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on it right now, but when the Ravens played the Bills, that was at Baltimore, correct? Yes, they were at. So at home, I really feel like this Baltimore team gets about as stout as anybody in the NFL. They have one of the best defenses in terms of turnover, turn, or sorry, creating turnovers, um, pouncing on opportunities like that. They have one of the best run defenses in the league as well. A lot of good interior defenders along that line. Um, very underrated defenders. Brandon Pierce. Um, so, uh, no, not Sylvester Williams. I'm already blanking on it. Brandon Williams, excuse, excuse me. Um, Michael Pierce. There we go. I think it might be the first loss for the Broncos. Um, hopefully Joe Flacco has a rebound game because they'll definitely need it. And as you all know, the Chargers are at the Rams, the first real edition of the fight for LA. I'm super stoked for it, but I'm also super scared for it. Very mixed feelings. I've seen people on social media talk about that for whatever we reason they cannot get over this this idea, this feeling that the Chargers will win just because of past games and in history where uh, the Chargers sort of play down to their competition sometimes, and then when they're faced with the best competition, they they seem to just pull it together so we'll see or maybe that's just the Iowa Hawkeye fan talking in me because that's what I get for being a fan of that team it's the same thing um I don't know uh quick feelings on the matchups Stanley yeah so like I said I think the Raiders probably lose this week uh Baltimore are five point favorites at home right now um you know I, I could see them winning that game easily not 
that they would win easily, but I could easily be talked into them winning. Uh, and then <laughs> the Chargers and Rams. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a really it, it's it's actually the first real test for the Rams this season. They've played two bad teams so far. Like you said, it's kind of the first edition of this this you know battle for LA because they they've played once, but it was in the preseason last year in uh, at the Chargers Stadium. So this is really round one of the fight for LA. And yeah, on, on paper, the Rams are a fantastic team and they have probably a little bit more distributed talent than the Chargers do. Uh, they have a better coaching staff. Um, so it's, you know, I, I can see why the, the Rams are seven point favorites. Um, but like we said, I mean, the Chargers, they usually play to the level of their competition, both up and down. So it, I don't see the Chargers getting blown out. I don't know how confident I am in a win, but I don't think um, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a really good game. And, you know, I I think there are ways to win the game and we'll see. What are the chances real quick before we wrap this thing up that the game comes down to some sort of kicking debacle? Um, if it does, I'll probably be on the news for something. Local area man does <laughs> unspeakable horrors. <laughs> Local man loses his mind. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think that about does it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in again. We will see you guys on Saturday. Uh, and don't forget to check out some of the other podcasts we've got going on uh, from the Bolts from the Blue guys. On Tuesdays, we've got the lightning round. Mondays, we've got Kyle Posey bringing you his drunk hot takes from right after the game. Uh, and Thursdays, we have uh, Garrett Sisti with the Score More podcast. So that'll be out on Thursday. Yeah, thanks again, everybody, and we will talk to you later. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.